From the stuff your mother never told you to the stuff your doctor never learned, On Health is what happens when a midwife plus a Yale-trained MD shares about all things women's health, from periods to menopause, sex to reproductive health politics, motherhood to mental health. Join me for taboo-busting conversations that demystify and destigmatize our bodies, all while bridging the gap between conventional medicine and wellness. Along the way, we'll be exploring the science and wisdom of how our bodies work, what makes us well, what gets in the way, and how we can live our best lives on our terms. When it comes to women's health and well-being, there's nothing we won't talk about. The new medicine for women is here. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Aviva. Hello, Dr. Aviva. I am so excited that you started this hotline. My name is Victoria. I have been a follower of yours for many, many years, ever since I went through a health coaching program. And um, I have a specific question for you. I am a 35-year-old woman who lives in New York City. Um, I am single, and I do have a history of... Um, suspected endometriosis and suspected PCOS, although I'm not sure if that's 100% correct. And I have been thinking about um, freezing my eggs uh, because I have not found a partner yet. Not sure if I ever will find a partner, but I'm curious as to your thoughts about if it's too late, um, if it's the best health move, uh, knowing I have those conditions, if that affects it. Uh, and just in general, if you feel like it's um, a good approach for somebody who is unsure about their future, uh, it is expensive from what I understand in New York City. So would love to hear anything that you can offer me here as I'm getting a little concerned as I grow older. So um, I appreciate you and your intelligence and your empathy. Thank you so much for your time. First, Victoria, thank you for sharing this question that I promise you are not alone in asking. For some history, the first successful pregnancy from a previously frozen egg happened in 1986, so it's a relatively new phenomenon. The option was originally used primarily by women with cancer or other medical diagnoses who wanted to save their eggs before receiving medical therapies that were often quite toxic that could destroy their fertility. In 2013, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, or the ASRM, which I'm going to probably say again, so ASRM, lifted the experimental label from the procedure. And since then, it's become much more widely available. Between 2010 and 2016, the number of American women freezing their eggs skyrocketed 880%. Today, the vast majority of women who freeze their eggs are not facing any immediate threat to their fertility due to a medical condition, but like Victoria R. Collar, are rather doing so proactively to protect their future options for becoming pregnant and in anticipation of the natural decline in fertility that happens as we age, which is known as elective social or planned egg freezing. According to the Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology, or SART, in 2020, 12,438 healthy women froze their eggs, and that was up from 7,193 in 2016. 
While media coverage of the trend often suggests that women are turning to egg freezing to delay childbearing in order to focus on their career in their 30s, most women who pursue egg freezing report that the main reason is they haven't found a suitable partner or they want to protect their eggs against future medical issues that could potentially affect their fertility. I want to address a really big myth that fertility drops off a cliff at age 35. A 2014 survey of American women of reproductive age found that 20% were completely unaware of the effects of age on their fertility. So let's start with some misinformation and myth busting. It is true that fertility declines as we approach menopause. Known as age-related decline in fertility in the medical literature, this occurs because our innate supply of eggs declines in both quantity and quality over time. We start life with about one to two million eggs in our ovaries and lose them steadily every menstrual cycle. Further, as we approach menopause, remaining eggs are more likely to have some abnormal chromosomes, increasing the risk of miscarriage and genetic conditions. But there's also a lot of fear mongering about this decline. Fertility does not drop off a cliff at 35. Rather, around age 30, it starts to slowly decline. And by mid-30s, the rate of the decline increases. A 2016 U.S. study that followed women trying to conceive found that the chance of pregnancy after 12 months of trying was 87% from women aged 30 to 31, and that dropped to 76% at age 36 to 37 and 54% at age 40 to 41. Another study found that when the woman was trying in the 35 to 39 range, 82% of couples had conceived within a year of trying and 90% after two years. So the bottom line is most do eventually conceive and often with no assisted fertility at all. It just may take longer than expected. So how effective is egg freezing? While egg freezing hasn't been labeled experimental since 2012, the technology is still new and we don't have a lot of research on it including about some of the most basic questions about how many women succeed in having a baby using their frozen eggs. In 2021, the ASRM reviewed the most recent literature and published an evidence-based guideline on planned egg freezing, concluding that there wasn't enough evidence to predict live birth rates after egg freezing. In fact, guidelines from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists state that there is not enough research to recommend egg freezing solely to delay having a child. The main reason for this knowledge gap is that while increasing numbers of women have frozen their eggs, most of them have not yet returned to thaw and eventually try to use them. Although the number of egg freezing cycles each year in the U.S. increased from over 2,500 in 2012 to over 13,000 in 2018, the number of egg thawing cycles during that time rose from just over 300 to only about 1,800. When fertility clinics cite success rates, they're usually based on mathematical models using data on IVF or egg donation. And neither of these groups are exact apples-to-apples comparisons to women undergoing planned egg freezing. Plus, much of the data has included women freezing their eggs for medical reasons like cancer. This means it's difficult to say what the odds of success are for women who are freezing their eggs solely because of concerns about age-related fertility decline. 
In the last few years, however, a couple of major studies have shed some light on this question. In 2022, a study analyzing 15 years of data from over 500 women who froze their eggs at a fertility center in New York was published. This was the largest study of U.S. outcomes from egg freezing performed for age-related fertility decline to date, and it provided some, let's just say, sobering results that suggest egg freezing is not, as many assume, an insurance policy that guarantees a baby in the future. In the study, the average age when the women froze their eggs was just over 38. On average, they waited about four years to thaw and fertilize their eggs. The data underscored that the odds of a successful pregnancy seemed to depend a lot on how young women were when they froze them and how many eggs they froze. The overall chance of having a baby from the frozen eggs was just 39%. But the birth rate was over 50% among those who were younger than 38 when they froze their eggs. Across all age groups, patients who thawed more than 20 eggs had a 58% chance, and it rose to 70% if women younger than 38 also thawed 20 or more eggs. The study also found that the duration that the eggs had been frozen didn't actually matter. All that mattered was how old a woman was when she froze her eggs and how many eggs she froze. That's in line with data from other fertility clinics. In a 2021 study, only about a third of those women who thawed their eggs were able to have a baby. Interestingly, that study didn't find that the outcomes were significantly different in women younger than 38 at the time of freezing and those over 38. But it did find that none of those who froze their eggs at age 40 or over were successful in having a baby with their eggs. Another major study came out in 2021. SART released an analysis of all the outcomes of egg freezing in the U.S. reported to SART's surveillance program. About 90% of fertility clinics report their data to SART. So this was the first time we got some sense of the national trends in egg freezing in the U.S. Overall, the data revealed that pregnancy rates with frozen eggs were similar to the rates for women in the same group undergoing IVS with fresh eggs. In other words, a 40-year-old trying to get pregnant with eggs she froze at 35 had about the same odds as a 35-year-old undergoing IVF with her current eggs. The most striking finding, according to the researchers, was just how many eggs were needed to achieve one successful birth amongst women who were in this older age group. They calculated the number of eggs that needed to be thawed for one successful live birth at different ages. For women who froze their eggs when they were younger than 35, they ended up thawing 15 eggs per birth. For women over 40, it was a whopping 55 eggs. So what's the takeaway here? First, it's important to keep in mind that while egg freezing may give you a better shot at having a baby at an older age than you might otherwise have, it's not a guarantee. Unfortunately, it seems that some women aren't being given realistic expectations by providers. In one survey, 6% of women who were roughly between 34 and 41 years old when they froze their eggs estimated a 100% likelihood of having a baby with their banked eggs. Second, from the limited data we have, it does seem that the younger you are when you freeze your eggs, the better your odds. And unsurprisingly, the more eggs you retrieve, the better your odds are, especially if you're older. 
There are also financial costs of egg freezing. As my caller today points out, egg freezing is usually quite expensive. Health insurance policies sometimes cover at least part of the costs, but many do not. More and more companies like Facebook and Apple are covering egg freezing as part of their benefits package, but it should be noted in cases like these, it has been thought that this does speak to companies placing covert pressure on female employees to delay childbearing. As of 2020, almost one in five large U.S. employers offered egg freezing benefits. But for most women who are paying out of pocket, the costs add up quickly. Let's take a look at those. Each egg retrieval cycle can cost $10,000, and the number of eggs retrieved during each varies. So many women may need to do more than one cycle in order to have enough eggs for a good shot at a pregnancy. Storing the frozen eggs until you're ready to try to get pregnant can cost $500 to $1,000 a year. If you do decide you want to use them, it costs another five dollars to $7,000 to thaw and fertilize the eggs and transfer the embryo into the uterus. It can cost $3,000 to test embryos for chromosomal anomalies, which many women choose to do. So we're looking at at least twenty dollars to $35,000 in cost. Determining whether it's worth it to freeze your eggs is a difficult personal decision, especially because the majority of women who pay to freeze and store their eggs end up not even trying to use them, often because they get pregnant on their own or with the help of conventional IVF. A recent Belgium study, one of the largest European studies on the topic, followed women who had frozen their eggs at an average of age 36 between 2009 and 2019. By 2022, just 27% had returned to the fertility clinic to try to have a baby at an average age of 40. Among those who did return, only half ended up using their frozen eggs, and about a third used their own fresh eggs. Of course, if you do end up struggling to get pregnant naturally and turn to conventional IVF to conceive, multiple rounds of IVF is also very expensive. Some researchers have used mathematical models to try to determine under what circumstances egg freezing is cost-effective compared to traditional IVF. In a 2018 study, researchers mapped out different strategies for a hypothetical 35-year-old woman who plans to delay having a baby until age 40. They concluded that the most cost-effective strategy was to undergo 1.2 cycles of egg freezing at age 35, that's the average number of cycles required to get 16 eggs at that age, and then at 40, attempt to conceive naturally for six months, and then do two cycles using her stored eggs if needed. And they determined that this strategy was most cost-effective up until age 38. But for women age 38 and older, it was most cost-effective to skip the egg freezing and just try to get pregnant at age 40 for six months and then undergo two rounds of conventional IVF with fresh eggs if needed. There's also a significantly high knowledge gap when it comes to the risks of egg freezing, thawing, and pregnancy, especially long-term risks. In 2018, the ASRM Ethics Committee urged providers to ensure that women are informed about the uncertainty about the efficacy, safety, benefits, and risks of egg freezing, including the unknown long-term health effects for offspring conceived with frozen eggs. They called for more data and research to help inform patient decision-making. When it comes to the short-term side effects and risks, most of them are similar to conventional IVF because except for freezing, the procedures involved in egg freezing are largely the same 
for ovarian stimulation, egg retrieval, fertilization, and embryo transfer. Women inject themselves with hormones once or twice a day to stimulate the ovaries to grow multiple follicles. Once the follicles reach a certain size, the doctor will retrieve the mature eggs by inserting a small needle through the vaginal wall into the cervix and then flash freeze the eggs. Women often feel somewhere between unwell and miserable in the days prior to the retrieval. The stimulation drugs cause extremely high estrogen levels, which can cause mood swings in many women. Bloating from the enlarged ovary is common and can be uncomfortable. The most serious immediate risk is something called ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, which occurs in roughly 1% of women who undergo egg freezing. And it can be really serious and is more common in women with polycystic ovary syndrome because women with PCOS have an increased risk of developing too many follicles. Other immediate risks from the stimulation and retrieval process include bleeding, infection, and complications from the anesthesia. From the limited data we have now, it also seems that immediate health outcomes for babies conceived from frozen eggs are similar to those conceived via IVF with fresh eggs. For example, there doesn't seem to be any increased risk of congenital abnormalities in infants from frozen eggs compared with other IVF babies. But when it comes to the long-term health of babies conceived with frozen eggs, it's just too early. We just don't have the data and we just don't know. Further, although over 10 million children have been conceived with assisted reproductive technologies since the 80s, there are big gaps in our knowledge of the health of those children conceived this way, including through IVF, especially long-term. In the US, we have not been systematically tracking the long-term health of IVF babies. There's also an inherent difficulty in studying the topic since couples who turn to IVF are experiencing infertility or subfertility. So it's difficult to disentangle whether any increased health risks are due to the IVF procedures or related to the underlying infertility or even simply due to the fact that the parents tend to be of older age than average. Some epidemiologic studies have shown that compared to children conceived spontaneously or the old fashioned way, children conceived through assisted reproductive technologies are at increased risk of a range of health problems, including low birth weight, preterm birth, birth defects, and cardiovascular and metabolic abnormalities like high blood pressure later in life. Again, it's uncertain if these are due to the IVF procedures or other parental factors. Still, Research on animals, including studies on healthy fertile animals, so the confounding variable of infertility is removed, suggests that there may indeed be differences in the physiology of offspring conceived by IVF. Research on the possible risks to the women who undergo IVF is even harder to come by. Studies suggest that women who conceive via IVF are at a somewhat higher risk of increased complications like postpartum hemorrhage, gestational diabetes, and preeclampsia. It's important to keep in mind that the absolute number of women who develop these complications is quite small. And again, it's not clear if it's due to the IVF or if the increased risk is simply a reflection of those who require infertility treatment. There's also been some concern raised that exposure to the medications used to stimulate the ovary could increase a woman's lifetime risk of cancer, especially those cancers which are known to be hormone sensitive. A 2017 review concluded that while the data are limited and we need more long-term studies, most studies do not show a significant risk 
of breast cancer, endometrial, and ovarian cancer with the use of fertility medications. Some studies, however, have shown a possible increased relative risk of borderline ovarian cancer. How do you avoid buyer's remorse with freezing your eggs? Well, most studies have found that few women who freeze their eggs regret the decision, even if they don't end up using the stored eggs. In a 2020 UK study, over 90% had no regrets over their decision to undergo egg freezing, even though only 20% of women in the study have successfully had a baby or were currently pregnant. But in one study from 2018 done in the US, almost half of women who'd frozen their eggs subsequently experienced some regret about their decision especially those who ended up with fewer eggs and those who said they received inadequate information or emotional support. Many women have accused fertility clinics of engaging in biased advertising that seeks to persuade, not inform, emphasizing the benefits of egg freezing services while minimizing the risks and the low chance of successfully bringing a pregnancy to term. There are plenty of heartbreaking stories of women who were given the impression that freezing their eggs was a guarantee giving them a false sense of security about their ability to have kids in the future, only to find that none of their eggs survived the thawing and implantation process, leaving them forking over even more money for conventional IVF to conceive, or in the worst case scenario, being unable to get pregnant at all. If you decide to explore egg freezing, make sure you do your homework and find an experienced fertility doctor. Ask the clinic how long they've been performing the procedure and steer clear of those who only recently adopted the practice. According to ASRM, studies indicate it takes experience to become skilled at egg freezing and thawing, so you deserve to know your provider's level of experience. Ask for specific data on the clinic's success rates. General statistics can only tell you so much. You want to know your particular clinic's rates when it comes to egg survival after thawing, successful pregnancies, and number of successful live births. And you want to know what your provider's rates are at that clinic. Be sure to ask for the data for your age group. And remember, even with good stats, there are no guarantees. As Victoria asked, she has PCOS. So are there any special considerations for women with PCOS? And what about endometriosis, another common condition that can be involved in fertility challenges? If you are planning to freeze your eggs and you do have PCOS, endometriosis, or any other gynecologic condition, it's important to be aware of additional risks to you and anything that might prevent successful egg retrieval or later successful pregnancy. As mentioned earlier, women with PCOS may be at increased risk for ovarian hyperstimulation, which can be a severe complication. One study suggests that women with PCOS undergoing ovarian stimulation will have higher egg retrievals, but still have lower pregnancy rates for unknown reasons, though a variety of causes have been speculated, including problems with implantation and increased rates of early pregnancy loss, in other words, miscarriage. Interestingly, a 2023 study supports the use of many of the supplements I discuss in my article and podcast top supplements for endometriosis, not only for PCOS improvement, but specifically for improving outcomes with egg retrieval and IVF. So things like melatonin and using inositols. 
A study published in Clinical Obstetrics and Gynecology in 2017 suggests that 30 to 50% of women diagnosed with endometriosis also struggle with infertility and many consider their options for treatment, particularly when they reach their mid-30s. Decreased ovarian reserve and risk of tissue damage to the ovaries, sometimes associated with endometriosis, may increase a woman with endometriosis desire to preserve fertility through egg freezing. However, having a physician skilled in both egg retrieval and endometrial changes to the ovary becomes all the more important for your safety and the success of the procedure, particularly in the setting of ovarian endometriomas, which are lesions on the ovary from endometriosis because hyperstimulation may also be more likely in this group. Additionally, even with successful egg retrieval, pregnancy success rates are unclear. We do know that IVF success rates are lower, particularly the more severe the endometriosis. A 2018 study published in Human Reproduction reported a 24% lower rate of having a baby after undergoing IVF compared with those with unexplained subfertility. Though they say in the study, extensive laparoscopic surgery when performed by an experienced multidisciplinary surgical team for the endometriosis lesions may improve the live birth rate with IVF. But there's no studies on that for egg retrieval. We can only assume that it's possibly similar, but of course you then have to take into account the fact that the egg thawing process might not go as planned. The bottom line is that there's no right or wrong answer. The decision to freeze your eggs is a deeply personal one, and it's essential to approach it with a clear understanding of both the benefits and the limitations involved. By considering your own unique circumstances, goals, and timeline, you can make an informed choice that empowers you to take significant control over your fertility journey. Freezing your eggs can offer hope and flexibility, providing a sense of security for the future while removing both real and externally driven pressures of a biological clock. While it doesn't guarantee a successful pregnancy, it may increase your chances of having a child when you decide the time is right. But it's also not without financial and potential medical costs to you. But with the support of a qualified fertility specialist, you may be able to create a tailored plan that aligns with your individual needs and preferences and optimizes safety and success as long as you keep realistic outcomes in mind and aren't swayed by hype and overzealous advertising. Regardless of the path you choose, remember that your story is unique. Your future is filled with possibilities. And remember, you're not alone on this journey. More to come on supporting fertility, more to come on PCOS and fertility, endometriosis and fertility. I wish you a beautiful journey wherever you are on your path. Thank you again, Victoria, for your question. And everyone, talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode, that it helped you to feel seen and heard, and perhaps that it even brought you some aha moments. Please share the love by sharing this with a friend or someone in your life who could benefit from the kinds of things we talk about in this space. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at dr.avivaram and go to avivaram.com to join the conversation about the show on my blog. While you're there, you can sign up for my free newsletter with tips on taking back your health. 
Be sure to leave a rating and a review for the podcast and follow the podcast to be notified of new episodes every week. Can't wait to see you next time. Don't wanna lift it up, air has got me down.